Good to see everybody. Good morning. You glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. And I know with the rise in the uh, cases of COVID that we see in society, a lot of our people have gone back to watching online. And so we want to welcome those 
who are joining us online uh, this morning, but it's good to see those of you who are here in the house of the Lord. We're glad you're here. And uh, if you're visiting among us, if you would reach in the pew rack in front of you and take out a care card and uh, fill that out, we would love to have a record of your attendance with us today. And if there's a prayer need in your life, we would love to join you in that prayer need. But again, welcome. There are several things I want to announce this morning. Uh, first of all, good news. Uh, Kevin and Sherry are feeling much better, still recovering from from COVID themselves, but feeling much better. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to return with us soon. Kevin Knight is out. He has been exposed. He's not positive, but he did find out. He did notify us he was around someone for a lengthy period of time that had come down with it. And so he's going through that uh, quarantine. It sort of seems like I'm the last man standing on staff. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it's good to see you here and uh, the epic praise band leading us in worship this morning. Um, Jonathan is out with his family moving girls to college down in South Carolina and on the coast of North Carolina, two different colleges. A lot of our college families in the church, they're moving their young people into colleges this weekend. And so pray for those people. Uh, I do want to go over several announcements with you. Uh, ladies, your ladies' movie nights coming up. Tickets are $5. You can pick those up through next Sunday. So go by the Welcome Center this morning. And remember, it's open to all ladies, sixth grade and up. And then next Sunday at 4 p.m. in this room, there will be the piano and organ concert by Ruby McElvain and and Rita White, so pray for these ladies as they continue in their preparations. And then, and then men, the Be Strong Men's Conference is coming up at Snowbird, uh, September the 24th through the 26th. Cost is $125. We do need your $50 deposit due by Sunday, August 29th. And so if you would take care of that, you can sign up in the Welcome Center also. Uh, remember this coming Wednesday night, because of all of the schools around here doing their open houses, you know, they used to stay away from Wednesday nights, but it seems like Wednesday night is now the night to do those, and it takes our worker pool out, and our families are involved at those open houses. And so there will not be activities on campus this coming Wednesday night. The following Wednesday is our Awana Open House. Families, you can visit there, pick up all the materials for your children and uh, hear more about the Awana ministry that meets on Wednesday nights throughout the, um, the school year. Uh, I am honored this morning uh, to be able to introduce Josh Suggs. Uh, Josh grew up in pits. Uh, some of you had this guy when he was just a little fella in the church, and he would not listen. You remember those days? <laughs> he would not listen. Whatever you told him, he probably did just the opposite. Well, it may be that he was listening more than you thought. And uh, God is doing a wonderful work in his life. He's been serving uh, this summer at an area church as an intern. He leaves this coming Tuesday for one year at Snowbird as an intern up there. And Southeastern Seminary in our state has linked up with Snowbird uh, to offer uh, college credit in their classes and seminary credit. So while he's there this year, he will also be taking some Southeastern classes working towards a degree and uh, it was exciting to meet with him sit down with him a little bit more extensively this week and and hear his plans toward evangelism missions and church planting and i actually have a call this week with a representative from the north american mission board because he's wondering some steps to best take at this stage in his life to get ready for that next stage in his life and some prep that he needs to be doing right now. And so some conversations this week that uh, will be passed along to jo uh, Josh, some things he can be uh, working towards. 
But uh, he has been chomping at the bits to preach. And, uh, of course, not being here this summer, he was not able to when some of the other young guys. And probably six or eight weeks ago, I said, Josh, how about August 15th? He said, I'm there. I'm going to do it. And so he's been so excited about this. You want to find 2 Corinthians 5 in your copy of the Scripture. That's where Josh will be preaching from this morning. But in the Scripture reading time right now, he asked me to go ahead also and read from Isaiah 53. And so that's what I'll be doing at this time. And then we'll pray and we'll continue in our worship. The prophet Isaiah says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful to be counted among your people, your adopted sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, you've reconciled us to yourself through the blood of the cross, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. And Lord, even now we enter boldly into your presence. As the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus has opened the way before us into the Holy of Holies, that we can approach your throne of grace with hope. And God, we do that today. We pray in this hour that you would be magnified. Lord, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we thank you for the mighty deeds you've done in behalf of your people all through history. How you called your people out of Egypt and planted them in their own land. And the prophets, the the Messiah, according to the flesh, came through them and And then the message of the good news goes to Jew and Gentile. Lord, you're at work today, a redeeming work, reconciling men and women to you through Jesus Christ. And I pray that if there's even one here today that's not experienced that reconciliation, Lord, that they would be broken before you today, that they would be convicted of their sin and their need of a Savior And they would come to you by way of Jesus Christ, calling on him and him alone for their salvation. And Lord, may we all remember that day when that first happened in us. And then the the obligation we have before you now to grow and to be sanctified, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and to be about your work. Lord, strengthen us in that. Lord, we pray for Josh as he breaks the bread of life this morning. We know that you've promised your word shall never return unto you void, but shall accomplish that which you please. Lord, use this young man. Use these other young men leading us in in music and song today. Lord, may we lift high the name of Christ that all may be drawn to him. Lord, thank you for your call upon Josh's life and the way he is planning to Follow through with that, with plans, and I pray that every step of the way, Lord, that you would make clear to him as he prepares for a life of ministry and service. Lord, you alone know all the plans you have for him, but I pray that each day you would open the right doors and lead him down the right paths. 
Lord, that he might serve you all the days of his life. We thank you for all the young people that have gone out of this church. I think of those even now on the mission field through the IMB, Brandon or uh, Katie, either one, in, in dangerous places in the world that we, we don't even talk about. Lord, use these young people and call more. Lord, each one of us, may we have that attitude of Isaiah and Isaiah 6 when he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, may that be our heartbeat to go to all those around us, to go to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. Lord, remind us we're to be messengers and ambassadors of this reconciliation. Lord, we pray for those in our church family now who have needs. We thank you that Kevin and Sherry are feeling much better. Lord, strengthen them day by day. Return them to us soon. Uh, for Kevin Knight, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just keep him safe. And others who are fighting COVID, Lord, we just pray that you would watch over them and protect them and be a tower of strength and a refuge to them and a present help in time of trouble. Lord, other needs in the church, whether it's with school decisions or work, whatever it may be, remind each heart and soul that you're the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You are the more than sufficient to meet every need. Again, Lord, we bow before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please? All my life you have been faithful. 
seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. And every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within. Good morning, church. How are you guys? Um, today we're going to be reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. So if you guys would turn there for me. And before I start, my name is Josh Suggs. For those of you who don't know me, um, I've gone here at Pitts for my entire life. And I'm just very grateful to be here this morning to preach the word of God to you guys before I leave off for a year. Um, I just want to add that this church means so much to me, and it has impacted my life with the gospel, and I know it has impacted countless, uh, countless other lives here as well. Um, and before I start, I just want to say a few thank yous. Um, thank you to Kevin Knight for leading the youth faithfully all, the, all those years and for teaching me how to study my Bible and showing me what a life devoted to prayer is like, and to Kevin Seeger for leading the young adults in epic ministry and showing us what true discipleship is and for leading me to Christ so many years ago at a VBS. And to Pastor Scott for leading the congregation faithfully on Sunday mornings and teaching us how to love the Lord and serve him well in all that we do. So just thank you to you guys. It has been a blessing to be under your teaching and I hope that um, the Lord continues to bless this ministry um, and your guys' ministry as well. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let us pray. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this day. Just thank you for who you are, for your saving grace, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. I pray that if there's anyone in this room who does not know your son, God, that you would open their eyes to see and their ears to hear the good news of the gospel, Lord. I pray that you would give me clarity of word and hide me behind your cross and let your spirit speak through me, Lord. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This summer, I had the awesome privilege to serve as the youth intern at Parkwood Baptist Church. It was a blessing to be able to serve there and to see God move in those kids' lives throughout the summer. Um, it was awesome that God had blessed me to be able to lead the kids in the formative years of their life and to be able to, to disciple them in their walks with the Lord. Um, and it was truly a blessing to see God change lives throughout the summer, that people came to saving faith in Christ Jesus. And it's something that I will forever be grateful for. I'll be grateful that God answered my prayers on giving me a place to serve this summer, um, and he came through. But one of the first Wednesday nights that I was at Parkwood, the message was on how to share the gospel. The students had asked on some applicable ways to share the gospel to people around them. And the youth pastor opened the night with this question. It was a simple question that had a simple answer, but to me I found it very profound. He asked, why do we need the good news? Why do we need the good news? We need the good news because of the bad news. If there was no bad news, we would be in no need of good news. The bad news that he was speaking about was that we were all sinners who were in need of a savior, and that we all enter this world into rebellion against God, and that the only way back into a reconciled relationship with God is through our faith in the belief of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and that he is Lord. So this morning, I want to focus on that reconciliation. That's what this passage of scripture is about. I want to focus on the ministry and message of reconciliation that God has given us believers but also to remind you of the reconciled relationship that you received when you came to saving faith in Christ Jesus. But I also want to let those of you in this room who do not have a relationship with Christ know that there is a reconciliation that you can receive from God that is free, and it is through Jesus Christ. The definition of reconciliation is this, the restoration of friendly relations, meaning for believers that since there has been a change in our relationship between us and God, Believers have gone from rebels and enemies against God to obedient servants in Christ. And because we have become obedient servants in Christ, the love of Christ controls us. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. For if we trust in Jesus, his love will consume us and it will control us. But this question must be asked. Why does it control us? It controls us because we understand the importance of the righteousness that Jesus has brought to us through his death and resurrection. It controls us because Christ has died for our sins and we bow to that. It controls us because he mends our relationship between us and God so that we can be in right relationship with him because Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. Since we have surrendered ourselves to Christ, we know that what Paul says in Galatians 2.20 also applies to us. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Since Christ consumes us and he lives in us, Jesus' love, which was manifested in his death for us, will take effect upon us in this way. 
if we realize what we were before we received salvation and where we would have continued to be had Christ not died for us. That we were under the sentence of death because of our sins. That we were on a path damned for eternity. This is why his love controls us. Because we saw where our sin was leading us. And it was taking us away from God forever. But he has set us free. And he has given us a new way of life through his death, burial, and resurrection. Praise the Lord that he has been gracious and merciful to us. So we choose not to live for ourselves anymore. But we choose to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So let's move into verse 16 and the rest of the passage with that in mind. That Christ's love controls us believers. Our eyes are open to a bigger picture since we see that Christ has died for us. Verse 16, this is what it says. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. If you take a look at the context of the passage in 2 Corinthians 5, it describes an appeal to those in Corinth who knew Paul. They wanted to make it clear so that they understand that he is not crazy for continuing to preach the gospel, even though it leads to so much suffering for him. He wants them to come to realize that eternity with Christ itself is bigger than what is here on earth. So through Christ's love, it compels Paul to tell all people that they need to be reconciled to God in faith through Christ Jesus. When we look at verse 16, Paul had only considered Christ from a human perspective. Before Paul's conversion, he viewed Jesus as only a mere man. And he viewed Christ's death itself as a punishment from God for heresy. What he didn't realize is that it was not a punishment, but it was a saving grace that God has given us. Paul was a Jew. He hated Jesus because he knew what Jesus was claiming. He knew that Jesus was claiming to be God, and he hated Christ for it. He hated the followers of Christ. Because they believed that the only way to salvation was through Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But after his conversion, Paul came to see the bigger picture, to know Christ as the Son of God and the substitute of our sin. That Christ wasn't paying for any punishment for himself, but he was paying for our sins, and he took the punishment that we deserved. He realized the truth of verses 14 and 15. That our sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus, and we now have a freedom from sin itself forevermore. So our concern should not be about the outside appearance of a person. Just as Paul was concerned about the outside appearance of Jesus, we need to realize that there is a bigger thing at play here than someone's appearance. That people's souls are on the line. Our concern should be at where is a person's heart at and not about the futile things about that person. We live in a world full of lost souls, eternal souls, and they are worth fighting for. If we are a believer, if we are a believer, we have come to know the same truth that Paul did, that Christ has paid for the payment of our sins, and that Christ sets us free from them. So my question is, are we being witnesses just like Paul was? Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It is not negotiable. It is a command from God himself that we will be his witnesses. It is a command in Matthew 28 that we would go and make disciples of all nations. We have to be worried about the lostness of people around us. And we must tell them of the good news of the gospel that Jesus has died in their place for their sins so that they can be reconciled to God if they believe in him. It is a command. And are we doing it? Because imagine, you know the good news of the gospel. You sit there, a friend, a family member, but you don't tell them. You go to the judgment day and you're standing before God, and they look at you, and they said, you knew the whole time. You knew the whole time, but you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me because you were scared? Let me tell you, those are the people that are going to be scared for eternity because they are going to be separated from the sustainer of all things for eternity. This is serious business. We have knowledge of the saving truth of Christ Jesus. So our primary concern needs to be 
Is a person in Christ or are they in their sins? And we should not fear. We shouldn't fear persecution. We shouldn't fear condemnation from the world. We shouldn't fear anything because Jesus and this news is that important. And Romans 8.31 says, if our God is for us, who can be against us? If our God is for us, who can be against us? No one. Jesus says in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself daily. Who cares what the world thinks? Who cares that they ridicule you? When the God of the universe says deny yourself, you do it. If Jesus could humble himself from all heavenly glory to come and die on a cross, we can humble ourselves enough to share the freedom that Christ offers through his death. We can do it. Because the mission field is not just the rainforest of the Amazon. It's not just in the deserts of Africa. It's not in the booming cities of Europe. It is everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, there is a mission field waiting for us. Everywhere we go, there are lost souls who do not know the saving name of Jesus. So as we go into verse 17 and onward, we've seen the truths of the gospel that should encourage us and empower us to go to go and share the gospel to everyone because it is Christ who lives in us and we now live for him. So let it be a stepping stone into a life of serving Jesus and for caring in the souls in this world that are lost. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There was a businessman who was telling the uh, story of a warehouse that he was selling. The building had been emptied for months. It was worn down and it needed repairs. Vandals had came in and damaged the doors, broken the windows, and they threw trash all in the inside. As the businessman showed a prospective buyer the property, he told the potential buyer that he would replace all the windows, he'd fix the doors, he'd bring in a crew to fix all the structural damage and clean up the trash inside. But the potential buyer told him, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I just want the site. Compared with the renovation God has in mind for us, our efforts to improve our own lives are as trivial as sweeping a warehouse slated for the wrecking ball. When we become God's children, the old life is over. He makes all things new. All God wants is the sight and the permission to build, meaning God wants us so he can shape us and to conform us to the image of his son. We are a new creation. The things that once were, that we were rebels against God, we are no longer because God has come to build us and he has given us a new name, child of God. 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. John 1, 12, but to those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them right to become children of God. What an honor it is that God would give us the right to become his children. After we had sinned against him, after we had hated him, praise God that he is merciful and gracious. But not only does he give us a new name, he more importantly gives us a new heart and a new nature. Ezekiel 11, 19 through 20, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. God gives us a new heart, a heart that chases after him, a heart that longs for him, a heart that wants the will of God to be done, and a heart that will obey God. In verse 17, Paul tells us of the necessity of regeneration in our living for Christ because of the result of Christ's death. 
God has regenerated us if we have believed in Christ's name. In God's sovereign work, the Holy Spirit has granted us spiritual life from our dead state so that we can repent and trust Christ as a new creation. This regeneration has caused old things to pass away. And we must run from what we once were. And we must put them to death. Because Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. God is serious when he says, put to death the things that belong to our earthly nature. The picture is violent. We must kill our sin, and we must continue killing it daily. Because in verse 6, it says, the wrath of God is coming because of these things. So put them to death and leave them in the past. So I warn the believer that if we continue in sinning, we will be disciplined because of it, because God is loving, and he wants to produce in us the fruits of righteousness. Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline is not pleasant. I know it firsthand. I've been disciplined a lot in my life. I played baseball in high school, and one night our baseball team decided that we were going to have a fight night in the locker room. It's going to be a good time. We got boxing gloves just going to be in there throwing haymakers at each other. We really didn't think anything about it after that night was over until one day we walked into practice and our coach had the boxing gloves in his hands. And he told us we had to run. And when I say we had to run, we had to run. And after we ran a little bit more, we ran. And then we kept on running for the rest of the practice. But the punishment itself was not pleasant. But what it did, it made us more conditioned for the game. The discipline produced something out of us that was for good. It produced something out of us that was used for good. So if you are being disciplined by God, no, God is coming to produce something greater out of you. But I also warn the unbeliever that if you are still in your sins, if you continue to live your life in sin, the wrath of God is coming onto you for eternity if you do not turn to Jesus to save you. God's wrath will pour out on you for eternity in hell forever. But God has given you a way out. and His name is Jesus, the forgiver of sins. Since we are a new creation, if we believe in Christ, we must know that it is because God alone that we are new. And we cannot draw ourselves back to God. Ephesians 2.1 tells us we are dead in our trespasses and sins. A spiritually dead person cannot draw himself back to the Lord. Why? Because we are dead. So when Paul says in verse 18 that all this is from God, it is only because of God that we are made spiritually alive. Therefore, God has made us a new creation. Verse 18 through verse 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Because God has made us a new creation and Jesus has reconciled us to God, he has restored our relationship with God back into friendly relations. Think of it. The offended majesty of heaven, the one who we have sinned against, is willing to make reconciliation to us. The fact that God would care about us, the fact that he would be willing to show us love, that he would be willing to show us grace and mercy by sending Jesus to die for us, even while we were still sinners, this should fire us up. 
Because of this reconciliation that we have received, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So when we get fired up, we should use it, right? Let's make reconciliation with other believers, with unbelievers, with God. The Apostle Paul said, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul didn't say that he had moments of reconciliation now and then. He said God gave him the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, reconciliation is all Paul would do. It's how Paul would roll in life. It's how he'd rock. It's how he'd rock and roll. Come on. Left to ourselves, we might think it's okay to leave ex-friends as ex-friends. But I warn you this. Humans were once right in friendly relations with God. And then Sin came into the garden, and we fractured the relationship between us and God. But God was gracious enough to send Jesus to make it right once again. So we don't just move on. Paul qualified his hopes for reconciliation. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's Romans 12, 18. Live peaceably with all. Some people would just shut down. We might try, but they won't be open to it. That's okay. At that point, it doesn't depend on you or me anymore. We leave it up to God. But so far as it depends on us, we seek a real experience of peace with all, everyone, for the Lord's sake, because he's told us we have the ministry of reconciliation. The gospel being what it is and always will be, our churches. The churches around us should be the most reconciling, peaceable, relaxed, and happy places in town. That we are so open to our enemies, that we are so meek in the face of insults and injuries, so forgiving to the undeserving. If we make people angry, it is because of that reason. We will refuse to join in their selfish battles because we are following a higher call. Jesus has called us the peacemakers. So we will be the peacemakers, the true children of God. God is the chief reconciler. He's reconciled us. And since Christ lives in us, let the relationships around us that have been fractured be fixed by God. Do everything that we can do to be in a friendly relationship with a person whose relationship that we have fractured. If God can forgive us of our trespasses, we can forgive others who have trespassed against us. The ministry of reconciliation has been placed at our feet. Let us, in obedience of God, make reconciliation. But not only has God given us the ministry of reconciliation, he's given us the message of reconciliation. According to verse 19, God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. And because he has entrusted us with it, we are ambassadors for Christ, according to verse 20, with God making his appeal to people through us. Therefore, we are vessels. 2 Timothy 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. As ambassadors, as vessels, According to what is said in 2 Timothy, we are useful to the master. We are ready for every good work since we have been reconciled and regenerated. And because of that, God is going to use us. If you are a believer, God is going to use you for his glory. He is going to use you for his purposes. So surrender to the will of the Father and let him call you to wherever it may be. The end of verse 20, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you are at work, tell people, be reconciled to God. If you are on vacation, tell people to be reconciled to God. If you are in a foreign nation on the mission field, tell people, be reconciled to God. The gospel of reconciliation is the most important thing a person can hear, and we have heard it. We have received it, and we must and I mean must, share the greatest news that someone could hear. We are called ambassadors, so we represent 
God here on earth. We represent the eternal heavenly kingdom of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so let's live like it. Just like an ambassador represents a country elsewhere in the world, we represent God here on earth. So let's live like it. And as I close, and as the band comes on out, I want to focus here on verse 21. My favorite verse in the Bible. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, Jesus, who had never sinned, who was perfect, fully God and fully man, became sin. He became our substitute. Therefore, he took the wrath of God that was supposed to be on us for eternity, and he put it on himself. Think of it. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, came to live a perfect life. Being fully God and fully man, he had no sin, and he had no right to die. He stood before an unjust trial in our place, silent, like a lamb before the slaughter. He stood in silence for us, for me, for you, so that he could take the cross, the worst form of punishment, the crucifixion. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He went up Calvary's mount, was placed on the cross after being mocked, after being flogged and beaten, and they hung him there. They hung him on the cross so that he could take our sin, which is shown to us by the law, so that we are no longer cursed if we believe in his name. He died on that cross to give us his perfect righteousness so that when God looks down on us, he no longer sees us as sinful souls but he sees Jesus' perfection on us because it is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. God treats us as forgiven, and he has imputed our sins onto Jesus and Jesus' righteousness onto us. Hallelujah. Because we are no longer under the curse of the law because Jesus has defeated it. And the sin that once reigned in our life no longer does because Jesus has defeated it. And the grave has no hold on us anymore because Jesus has defeated it. Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So I plead with you, if you do not know Jesus, and you are still living in your sin, be reconciled to God. Jesus has come to take your sin if you will surrender your life to him. And God's wrath for you can be placed on Jesus' atoning work at the cross. But if you don't, you will die, and you will be forgotten by the world that you once lived for, and you will spend eternity in hell with the wrath of God pouring out on you for eternity. Be reconciled. Let today be that stepping stone in your life, that you will live for Christ and tell people of his redeeming work. Christians, you too. Are you telling people of Christ's redeeming work? We've been given the ministry and message of reconciliation. So let's live like it. Christians, pray for the lost souls and do the work that God has given us. Praise God that he has saved you and tell others of the good news because Jesus is worth it. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus, Lord, that you were merciful and gracious to us, God, 
that you would send Jesus to come and die on the cross for us, Lord, so that we can be reconciled to you. We do not deserve it, Lord. But you've loved us so. And we thank you for that. For your great and mighty love, Lord. We praise you for salvation that you offer, God. And I pray that you would convict people of their sins, Lord. And that they would turn to you. That they would see Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that they will live for him. God, I pray if there is anyone in this room who does not know Jesus, that you will let the Holy Spirit continue to work and let that person know that the day of salvation is here, that God will make them reconciled today. I ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.